following sermon was recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org. Good morning, and uh, thanks, Tim, for letting me share. And uh, let's see, Um, I got saved when I was 18 years old from one of the Hindu upper caste families, and I didn't want to get into all the details. Uh, When I got saved, the same day when I got saved, God called me to the ministry. And uh, prior to my conversion, about one and a half year before, my father came to know Christ, uh, and then my mother came to know Christ. My family becomes the first family in that village to become Christians and to break the idols and throw them in a river and things goes on like that. And then when, I, when God called me to the ministry, I went and told my dad I want to go to Bible school. Praise God, he was already a Christian so that he paved the way for me to go to the Bible school and uh, <coughs> ended up... Uh, a lot of theological studies here and also in the States. And then, uh, but I always had one goal, to plant churches. My goal when we started Vision Nationals in 1992 was to plant 20 churches before I die and establish a small Bible institute. That was my goal. When we started the ministry in 1992, a city called Wysag or Vishakapatnam, which is on the East Coast, if you're familiar with India, at least with the map, down south is Madras on the east coast. Up north is Calcutta on the east coast. I'm in between the two exactly. city is known as Vizag. Actual name is Vishaka Patnam. Patnam simply means town. Why did they call Vizag? And the spelling is V-I-Z-A-G. Why did they call Vizag? I don't know. Ask the Brits. So... Uh, <coughs> Uh, so that's, uh, that's my story, and our goal was that when I was teaching in a Bible school before we started this particular ministry in 1992, I was hoping when my kids, I have two kids, um, a son and a daughter, and when they were older, at least when they finished high school, that's when we want to start the ministry. I slowly shared that vision to one of my students. After he graduated, he was excited about the vision. He started the church planting ministry, not knowing this is not going to go anywhere. Well, lo and behold, in three years' time, he planted four churches. First year, he didn't have any church. He started to work among tribals. And after the end of the first year, all the tribals said, this man is a holy man. And they gave the land. And then four churches, they built the churches, we didn't give the money. And they built the churches, and four churches have began. And I shared the vision to another retired pastor, and it is the same story. Well, in four years' time, things begin to grow. And uh, some of my advisors, counselors said, well, this is the time, this is the ministry that you always wanted to do, so this is the time you need to get up. Well, I wasn't ready, because my dream was at least in the year 2005, you know, or at least after 2000. But God has his own plans. And my goal was, as I said, 20 churches and then small Bible institute. Well, God has a different plan, obviously. The first four years when we started the church planting ministry, 
Me and my wife had a real tough times. We hired somebody because I wanted to do two church plans. We started one so that guy will be a help to me. Every year we hire one and we fire at the end of the year or before the end of the year. While I was trying to plan one small church. So four years I had to fire four people. And the little church was looking at me, what's wrong with me? Because I was firing everybody. And they don't know what we have been going through. Some things I can tell, some things I can't tell. And the first five years had been very tough and hard. And I could not trade those experiences for the five PhD degrees from the best universities. During that time, with all those experiences, God was preparing us for the ministry he had in mind for us, of which we had no clue. And then the spirit broke. And then there was a church planner from a village came and said, could you speak to at our convention? I went there, and there were six other church planners. All of them were Hindu converts. God saved them in their midlife and planting churches. And uh, they heard my testimony, and I spoke. All of them came uh, the last night, shared their testimonies, and said, I was a Hindu convert, such and such did. Can you please help me train and plan the church? We were struggling. And I looked at them, all the seven of them, and said, Yeah, sure, I'll help you. Down in my heart, I didn't know. I'm, I don't know how to do myself. I'm trying to figure out. But this is the answer you were supposed to say. I said, Sure, I'll help. I went there to those villages and laid a strategy, told them to adapt three more villages, gave them a bicycle, pray simply, Every, every day visit those villages, talk to somebody. And within the end of one year, all of them were able to plant three churches in all the three villages. It's not a big church, but at least there was one family, two family, there was a prayer that was starting. Think about an Indian village that's been there for 4,000 years. Never there was a Christian witness. All of a sudden, God gets hold of a family. That's how the churches began. So all of a sudden, the churches began to explore 21 churches and uh, became 50, 100. They begin to grow. Now we have 400 in India. God took us to Nepal. Of course, we work with Tim here and Joshua and uh, some other uh, people too. And uh, we praise God for what he, has, what he has done. And I wanted to do a small Bible institute. And, uh, well, we started in 1996. It has become a Bible college and it has become a Bible seminary now. It's a highly accredited. A guy that finishes an MD studies right in our seminary can go to Princeton and do his master's degree or doctoral degree. So we got a good accreditation. And in fact, we have uh, right now three boys from Thailand that are studying. Uh, one just graduated under, uh, under um, this particular ministry. He just graduated. And uh, he will be joining you, and he's a very good, resourceful person. We started a children's home in 1999 with 20 kids. Um, everything, Bible Institute, children's home, everything, we didn't have money. It was all in rented buildings, hired buildings. And uh, 20 kids, and then we now have 140 kids. Uh, we, have a high we have a school, and that runs up to high school. And then once the high school is over, we send them to colleges. They still stay in our dorms. We give them lunchbox and uh, uh, give them bus pass, and they go and study. Last year, those ones that started way back in 1999, now they're finishing up their colleges. Last May, we have three graduated, two with an engineering degree. 
my prayer had always been lord make them either the best persons in the world or professionally professional people or bring them into our seminary so that they could become church planters last year three graduated two with an engineering degree one with a another girl with the bsc computers and then there's another boy that's in a bible seminary right now and we have one boy right now preparing himself to be a medical doctor is writing his entrance examination in may and we have 15 kids that are appearing right now writing finals in the high school examinations so we praise god for what god is doing a work among us well with that uh, i know tim and the whole family and uh, uh, with that update on the ministry my name is arjuna and my wife's name is raji we have two kids babi and archana and you can uh, pray for all of our family they graduated from college and my son babi works with me in the business now uh, taking care of the business of all the ministry and my daughter just started her work in the states and uh, uh, we praise god for all the good things god has done and accomplished through us and we give all the glory to god Well I'm going to speak to you this morning on an important subject. We just started speaking on 1 Corinthians at our church. And I would like to do the same to you this morning from the first chapter. <coughs> One day there was a after the preaching was over the pastor went outside to greet everybody was greeting him and one man said pastor you're like Einstein the genius. So the pastor tumbled over that lovely comment and he couldn't sleep that night man he compared me with einstein the great i must be something you know and he thought about that whole week then he said well i must ask the guy next sunday when i meet him why did he compare me i was excited so the next sunday also he met him and pastor said pastor the pastor asked him why did you compare me last sunday uh with einstein can you tell me uh the man said that yeah well when einstein brought his theory there were only seven people literally understood when you spoke i don't know there's anybody that can understand you must be more genius so if you don't understand this morning you know i'm genius got it if you understand i'm dummy with that let's move on let me read to you from the first corinthians chapter 1 Verse 26. I would like to read just a few verses from 26 until the last verse. If you have a Bibles, please follow your iPhone Bibles or real Bibles or whatever. If you don't have, please look your neighbors. For consider your calling, brethren. Not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. but god chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise god chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong god chose what is low and despised in the world even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of god he is the source of your life in christ jesus whom god made our wisdom our righteousness sanctification and redemption therefore as it is written let the one who boasts 
boast in the Lord. May the Lord add his blessings. Paul began to write this letter to the Corinthian church. If you know the background of the Corinthian church, when Paul, when he was on missionary journeys, on his three missionary journeys, he founded this church in the city of Corinth. Like in many other cities like Ephesus, Philippi and all. Out of all the cities that were there, Corinth, the city of Corinth, was the most sinful city of that time, at that day. When Paul preached the gospel, people responded to the gospel. There was, the city was so much sinful. I think they had largest number of temple prostitutes in that city than any other cities combined. Sexually so immoral. Financially, they were rich. But when Paul preached the gospel, the power broke, people responded, the church was formed. Remember, everybody that got saved had a baggage that had to leave, that they had to leave. Because they come from a culture that was so bad. In other words, so nasty, if we want to talk about it. And God saved them, and the church was formed. Now, after the three missionary journeys, Paul began to, Paul have heard some problems in, uh, the, in the church at Corinth. In fact, this was the third letter, according to the sequence, it was the third book in the New Testament that was written first. It was not the Gospels that were written first, by the way, although they appear to be the first in the New Testament. It was the letters of Paul that were written. It is in the sequence that this was the third letter. So Paul here was addressing, Paul heard a lot of problems at the, Corinth, at the church at Corinth. So Paul was addressing to each and every problem. If you want to know about this book, this is, this is known as the book of problems in the New Testament. If you want to know what is the book of problems in the Old Testament, it's called book of numbers. So there's one problem book in the Old Testament, and there's another problem book in the New Testament, that's the Corinthians, first letter to the Corinthians. Problems. Every chapter, the first chapter, there was a problem. And Paul, given to, Paul began to give a good explanation to the problem. A large explanation to the problem. Chapter 1, chapter, there was a problem in chapter 1. Paul addressed the problem, gave an answer to the problem. Chapter 2, 3, 4, he began to address it in several ways. Chapter 5 onwards, there are more problems. 5, 1 problems, 6, 7, 8. Every chapter filled with problems. So Paul was addressing to each <coughs> and every problem in this, uh, in this book. But the answer is, for each and every problem, he brings it to the end of the first chapter. This is the answer to every problem. Did you get it? There was a problem in the first chapter, which is the division. Uh, the divisions here, uh, it said, some people said, well, we belong to Paul. Uh, did you see the verse 12? What I, mean, what I mean is that each of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, Cephas, Christ. There was one problem. The church was divided. Paul is calling them for dedication, a rededication. There was a problem addressing, Paul was addressing to the Corinthian church. It's called the 
number one problem, problem of divisions. And he gives the answer. I'll talk to you what are the other problems. But this answer is the same answer for all the problems. There's only one medicine Paul gives for all the problems. Throughout the entire book of Paul. He says here, there's a problem of division. Some said, I belong to Paul. When Paul preached, I got saved. And some said, no, 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 no. I got saved through Apollos because he's greater than Paul. Apollos was there before Paul got saved. Whatever it is, you know, we all make up. And some said, no, 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 we belong to Cephas, Simon Peter. You remember the promise that God gave to Simon? Upon this rock I will build the church. So he is the foundation. So he's greater than Paul. See how we are divided by denominations, by cultures, by the way we look, by the language we speak, by the way we eat. You know, all those things, you know. We are so much divided, forgetting about we are one body saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, which is more thicker than any other blood in the world. That makes us a family. And Christ is the head of that family. Small church. Look at this church. Out of Corinth. With what kind of baggage? Sexual immorality, idolatry, paganism, all that. Grace was busted out and people responded. Now they forgot about, they forgot about that grace. They forgot about how they got saved. And now, I belong to Paul. I belong to Simon Peter. I belong to Apollos. And Paul says, is Christ divided? Are we not one family? You're a little church in the city of Corinth. How come you're divided? Number one, verse 26. For consider your calling, brethren. Here's the answer. Four things I would like to talk to you. Number one, Paul reminds them after he addresses the problem, he says, consider your calling. Calling here means he's not talking about people that are called to the ministry. He's talking about those that are saved. He's referring them to the salvation. Remember the day when you were saved. Remember how you were saved when God saved you. What was your situation when God saved you? Remember your calling, brethren. You're not saved by works. You're not saved by merits. You're not saved by religious things. Paul made it very clear in the book of Romans, chapter 3 and 5. When he was talking about Abraham, Abraham was saved by grace through faith. And he applies the same principle here. You're boasting about yourself. You divide it against each other, forgetting about the calling, the salvation with which you received is by grace. Foundation is we are saved by grace and not by anything else. That's number one. When you talk about divisions, when you talk about any other problems, remember you and I are saved by grace. I remember when I got saved when I was 18 years old. I was a strong Hindu. I believe Jesus Christ was one among many gods. That's okay. My dad was healed, so that's fine. Christianity, okay, fine. That's a good religion. But there are many religions. My dad gave Bible. I said, I won't read. I read all Hindu scriptures. When I was 14, I read all. I know about it all. So I don't need to read what is there, what is... What is in here is already there. I went to church once, which is at the pastor's house at the time. 
And all these people, there were seven, eight people that were gathering. All are women. My dad is the only male person. After the message got over, they all prayed. Pray for that person in the village, that person in the village, this person in the village, and including the Hindu priests. Well, there's a Krishna temple, including the Hindu priests. And they all prayed and said, they all should accept Jesus Christ is the only way. And I got so mad. I said, that's not right. I went back and I decided not to go to church. I decided to read the Bible. My dad gave a Bible which I wasn't reading. I read Hindu scriptures. All of them were talking about plurality of gods. And I knew in my mind, the Bible must be also talking about plurality of gods. But unfortunately, these Christians are making up some stories. I started with Genesis 1.1. I couldn't find what I was looking for. Finished book of Genesis. Interesting stories. Went to the book of Exodus chapter 20. You can't have any graven images. Not only on earth up above. And the skies of below the waters. I thought somebody was hitting my head with a rock. Man, I don't have hope what I was believing. The Bible dismisses my hope. And I began to read more Bible and more Bible. More Bible I read, more frustrated I became. Because God was speaking of which I had no clue. I was saying no, 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 no. When did the New Testament, Gospels, fascinating stories, right? Read the Paul's letters, wonderful. Everything was going in. Medicine was going in. But I was saying, no, I decided not to respond to that. Read almost the entire Bible for about seven months. I said, this can't be. I was frustrated. I was frustrated because I wasn't looking. What I, I, mean, I didn't find what I was looking for. And I was taking in the word. And Holy Spirit was working. And I said, this can't be, this can't be. I slept that night just like every night. Woke up in the morning, peeped through the window. I saw people were walking to go to the fields, farmlands. My first thought was, they need to be saved. They need to know about Christ. That's when I had realized I got saved. Walked back to my bed, knelt down and prayed. Jesus, you're the only God, nobody else beside you. What I believed so far is the truth, is not the truth. What I did not believe it to the truth is the truth. Indeed, you're the only one. And you ask me how I got saved? Just by grace. What happened that night? I don't know. Who gets the glory? The grace. Did I work? No. Because I studied the Bible? No. Nothing. What happened? I don't know. As Paul said in Romans, faith is a gift of God. Maybe when I was sleeping, God cut open my heart and sealed the faith into my heart. And when I woke up, it's different next morning. It's different. What is there to boast? Nothing except for the grace of God. Paul reminds, it is the same story with the Corinthian church. Maybe with you, with all of us. What are we boasting about it? What are we boasting about? We are saved by nothing but by grace alone. Nothing. And Paul tells that. And then he moves on, number two, verses 26 and 27. He lays the foundation. He remembers, number one, we are saved by grace. Number two, he remembers our foundation. He says in verse 26 and 27, let me, um, not many of you were powerful. Not many were of noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Paul reminds, what are we 
when, when we got saved. Paul reminds the Corinthians, what are you when God saved you through grace? What was your position when God saved you? Number one, you need to understand, you were saved by grace. You're so boasting about yourself, that man, this man. No. I want you to understand, God saved you through grace. And number two, I want you to understand, when God saved you through grace, what were you? What was your situation? What was your stage? What was your position at the time? And he says, many of you were not wise. Are we wise when God saved us? I wasn't wise. I was foolish. I was foolish. You were not powerful. I wasn't powerful. Corinthians, you were not powerful. You got some problem in your life. When I preached the gospel, God has comforted you and you responded to the gospel in your powerlessness, in your weakness, in your unwiseness, in your foolishness, and you responded to the gospel. You're not wise. You're not powerful. You're not of a noble birth. You're not of a noble birth. Well, my grandmother used to tell me her father is like a king. But when it came to my time, I didn't have much money. So maybe my grandmother's father was a king, but I didn't have anything. I was just, my dad was a simple farmer. You see? Not many of you are a noble birth. And he reminds them, what are we? What are you? He says, you're weak. You're foolish. You're not wise, you're not powerful, you're not of noble birth. So what are you? You are weak and you're foolish. God chose you, saved you by grace, when you're not wise, not powerful, not of noble birth, but when you're weak, when you're foolish. So why are you divided? Why are you boasting? That was your stage. Is there anything for me to boast? Is there anything for you to boast? Is there anything in the Corinthian church for somebody to boast? Nothing. Do I boast about myself? Oh, I am uh, I'm unwise fellow. I'm powerless. I am weak. Oh, I'm so glad I'm foolish. Nobody would say that. So glad you're foolish. Or would somebody give an advertisement? Tim probably. Will Tim give an advertisement if you need a uh, business administrator? Uh, uh, whatever it is. I'm looking for Christian Family Foundation requires business administrator. The requirements are not educated, 10th grade failed 10 times, can't speak a word of English, broken tie, should not look good at all, talk good at all. Would anybody give an advertisement? If he gives, probably he'll receive many applications. And I'm sure his life will be terrible afterwards. But that was God's advertisement when God saved us. When God chose 12 to people to be his disciples, none of them were wise. They were illiterate people. Do you know why? They were not wise. They were not powerful. They were not of noble birth. They were weak and they were foolish. Do you know why God chose the foolish? There was a reason which we will come to that. There was a reason which we will come to that. Why should? Why should we boast about it? For nothing. 
Well, as Tim said, uh, India lifted up the World Cup last night with the cricket. So Monday is declared as the national holiday. See that? Hundreds of millions of dollars. You know, after many, many, many years, we got the World Cup. And of course, I was sitting, uh, since they don't have cricket in my room where I'm staying, so I opened up my laptop and I could only see the score numbers. I can't see the runs, which is fine, you see. So they're all powerful now, they're feeling great. Yes, they are all feeling great. Man, we don't have anything to feel great except God. That's our greatness. So, Corinthians, remember, why are you doing like this? You're not wise, not fool. You're foolish. And then he moves on to number three. Why did God save you, Corinthians? What is our job now? What's your job now? You're thinking you belong to Paul, you belong to Peter, you belong to Apollos. You know, that's what you're caught up. But that's not what you're called for. There is a job. You are fit in God's qualifications. Foolish, not wise, weak, everything is good. But God chose all that for a particular reason. He's not saved. He didn't save you simply. There was a particular reason God saved you. There's a particular job. God wants you to do it when you are in the world. And then he tells that in verse 28 and 29. <coughs> God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not. To bring to nothing things that are. So no human being might boast in the presence of God. There are three things Paul clearly reminds the Corinthians. Remember your calling brethren. God saved you. Of course such was your state. But God saved you for a reason. For a purpose. There is a job that you got to do it. If there is no job for you and me, Corinthians, to do, as soon as God saved you, God would have transported us to the heaven. But there is a job that He gave us, and that is our primary focus. He reminds them coolly, your job is not fight. Your job is not divisions. Your job is not any other thing. This is your job. And He reminds them three things. Number one, He says, verse 28, to bring to nothing things that are. You and I are chosen by God, by grace, foolish people. Of course God chooses us to bring things that are, to bring them to nothing. That means God gives us power to, to make us much more bigger so that we will be able to do things. <coughs> to bring to nothing things that are. Wisdom, power, money. Some of you... Could be a Christian businessman. I know a lot of Christian businessmen. There's a reason. You were foolish, but your job is to make money so that to give it to God. I was, uh, I was in one of the leadership meetings in Colorado Springs long, long back. And uh, Campus Crusade, uh, India, um, no, Every Home Crusade director, uh, forgot his name, it's in my mind. Uh, who um, were talking the second day of the conference. Me and him and one of our other friends, Tom Graham, who runs a nonprofit organization at the conference, and who was at the breakfast. And I said, how did you sleep? Well, I couldn't sleep last night. I asked, why? 
He was much older than me, much wiser, had a big organization. He said, you know, I have a lot of money. I don't know where to spend the money now. Whether should I send that money to Asia or to Middle East? I'm torn between. You know what? That is what God called him. To bring to nothing things that are. Through us, can you believe that? We're not powerful, but he puts powerful people powerless when he gives us power. When all the disciples, Peter, unlettered man, John, maybe he knew a little bit, little of education. When they were walking, they said, when they went to places, they said, here are the people that came, that who could turn the world upside down. To bring to nothing. That's number one. Number two, verse 29, he says here, so that no human being might, might boast in the presence of the Lord. What are you boasting, Corinthians? How about a simple pity thing that you're not supposed to boast? What is your job? I should not boast anything. I know God established a large, bigger ministry. We have 90 staff on campus. Yeah, everything. A lot to tell. But nothing. We bought the land for 1999. God took us there. We paid an acre $25,000, $30,000. We bought a few acres of land. And right now, each acre costs a million dollars. Am I wise at the time when I was buying? No, I didn't want to buy at that place. I tried all other places. Finally, God said, this is where God, God, God made me, compelled me to buy. And I went and bought it. But God knew at the time, I didn't know. What is there to boast? Am I wise? No, I was foolish. I failed three times in my 10th grade. I was unsuccessful. I didn't know what success was. What is there for me to boast? Somebody can lift me up. Tim can lift me up. I can lift and boast about myself. That's foolishness. It's nothing. It's nothing about me. I didn't know. But God, in order to make things that are to nothing, God choose me. And same way you are. And same way the Corinthians. You need to, the Corinthian city should know what you are. You're more powerful than them. You're more wiser than them. Because I will make you to that level. You don't boast. Boasting is sinful. It's against your calling. Consider your calling, brethren. Then he says, in verse 31, he says, Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. You want to boast about anything? Your degree, your good looks, money, your power, your genealogy, whatever it is. Nothing. If you want to boast about something, boast in the Lord. Boast in the Lord. You're boasting about something else other than the Lord? I'm sorry, that's sinful. God will not share His glory with anybody. He's not a man. He's not a man to share the glory. It's not a companionship there. Glory belongs to the Lord. It's the Lord who makes. He's, he's the one that makes something out of nothing. He's an expert. And if you're nothing, God will make you something beautiful out of it. Something powerful out of you if you're weak. If you say, no, I have little power. I'm sorry, God cannot do it. God only makes out of nothing something. Foolish. Powerlessness. Weakness and all that. 
And then finally he sailed in uh, verse 30, number 4, point number 4. Verse 30, he says, He is the source of your life. What did Jesus to me? He's the source of my life. If he's not there, I'm cut off. I don't have any breath. I die. I live in the world, but I die like a dead man. He's the source of your life. Why are you boasting if he's the source of your life? And he says, in Christ Jesus, whom God made our wisdom, our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Four things. He is our wisdom. He's our wisdom. I don't want to explain all this. He is our righteousness. Yes, God has justified us. He is our sanctification. God made us holy. And He is our redemption. When He is everything, what is there for us to boast? What is there for us to boast? Corinthians, this is your problem. Go to chapter 5. Well, you have a problem of sexual immorality. Go to chapter 6. Lawsuits against believers. And go to chapter 7. Marriage problems. And go to chapter 8. Food offered to the idols. And chapter 9. Surrendering your rights. Whatever you think is right. And warning against idolatry. In chapter 10. Chapter 12. Spiritual gift. Chapter 11. Lord's Supper. Amen. Problems go on on each and every chapter. Problem 1 and 5 onwards until the end of the chapter. There's one problem or at least more than one problem in some of the chapters. And everything, when Paul was dealing with all those problems, he gives one answer and the answer is back to this verse, chapter 1, verses 26 until the last verse. Whatever your problem is right now, whatever your problem will be in the future, Whatever, whether you're dealing with the sin or whether you're dealing with the division or whatever it is, these are your answers. That's for the Corinthian church, for all problems. That's for all churches. It's back in the first century. And right now today, for the 21st century, these are the problems. Number one, we are saved by grace. That should put you down at the cross. We are saved by grace. Nothing to boast. Number two, Remember your status when God saved you. Not wise, but foolish. Not noble birth. Not anything else. When God saved, we were nothing. We had a problem. We had a difficulty. We can't live. That's why God saved us. Why did God save us when we were stupid? There was a reason. God wants to exhibit His power in and through us. So that things that are will be made to nothing. Why did God save us? To bring to nothing. And we don't boast. There is a reason for you and I to live. God wants to exhibit His power. And Christ is the source of your life. Let me say this at the closing. A group of women once met at a coffee shop for a Bible study. They were reading through the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verse 3. The refining process, how the refiner, goldsmith, refines gold and silver. They went through that particular verse. And a couple of ladies decided to visit a silver uh, uh, smith or the goldsmith. And they went to his shop. <coughs> and they said, we want to see how you refine the gold. 
can you tell us? So he orally, he had explained all that. After that is gone, she asked, one of the ladies asked, can we watch? How do you refine it? The man said, yes, you can do it. And as these ladies were watching, the man was refining the silver, uh, the man was refining the gold, and he was completely concentrating on the gold. I mean, his eyes, his, his mind, everything was fixed on the gold. There were two women who were watching. He was not engaged in the conversation. He was completely focusing on that. And uh, after it was done, one of the ladies asked, I have a final question for you. <coughs> and she said, when do you know that the process of refining is complete? And the man said, it's very simple, ma'am. When I can see my own image in the silver, the refining process is completed. That's what God is doing with us. Foolish, not noble birth, not wise, but God is working in us to change us to His glory. So that as we are being changed unto his likeness and image, at the same time, through us, the power of God being manifested through these feeble, foolish, unwise vessels to the world, so that the things that are in the world, the wise people, the money people with the money, everybody will be down, so that God's power will be manifested to the world. It can only be done one way. When God fixed his attention on us, we need to fix our attention on him, knowing there is a job that God wants us to accomplish, and he will accomplish that in the world only through you and me who are the feeble vessels. And this is the answer. With this I close with one verse again. Consider your calling brother. Every time you got a problem, consider your calling. How God saved you. How God saved you. I know when I was unsuccessful in my studies, when I was foolish, God saved me. What to boast? If at all I boast, I should boast about that foolishness. But God changed me. God changed me. Who gets the glory? God. Why? Because he's the one that gave all this. Do I have pity problems? Yes, I have pity problems, big problems. But I'm not to boast. I need to examine. We are saved by grace. Consider your calling. Brethren, shall we pray? Father God, we once again thank you for your love to us. A lot of people did not know why you chose us. In fact, we didn't know, Lord. But we are thankful to you that you did. There is a reason. And the reason is to exhibit your power in the world through us. Help us not to be caught up with any problems. Problems can be anything. The marriage, immorality, dealing with our neighbors, money, Pity problems in the church, so many things. Div divisions, so many things. But Lord, 
we are not to focus on them. Forget, forgive, move on with our calling because we are saved by grace. And we thank you for that. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. You've been listening to a sermon recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org.